नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय हरे कृष्णा टुडे वी आर रीडिंग फ्रॉम कैंटो फोर चैप्टर ट्वेंटी फाइव चैप्टर ट्वेंटी फाइव इज कॉल द कैरेक्टरिस्टिक्स ऑफ किंग पुरंजना एंड वी आर ऑन टेक्स ट्वेंटी वन ऋषभम् ऋषभम् ृषभमूपिनी ऋषभम् a husband a pradhan not very old kama rupini very attractive to fulfill lusty desires translation and purport by his divine grace shrila prabhupada translation the woman was protected on all sides by a five footed snake she was very beautiful and young and she appeared very anxious to find a suitable husband purport the vital force of a living entity includes the five kinds of air working within the body which are known as prana apana vyana samana and udana the vital force is compared to a serpent because a serpent can live by simply drinking air the vital force carried by the air is described as the pratihara or the bodyguard without the vital force one cannot live for a moment Indeed all the senses are working under the protection of the vital force 
the woman who represents intelligence was searching after her husband. This indicates that intelligence cannot act without consciousness. A beautiful woman is useless unless protected by the proper husband. Intelligence must always be very fresh. Therefore, the word aprodham, very young, is used over here. Material enjoyment means utilizing the intelligence for the sake of rupa, rasa, gandha, shabda and sparsha, of form, taste, smell, sound and touch. Om Ajnanati Mirandhasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Sthapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Svapadantikam Mukam Karoti Vachalam Pangum Langayate Girim Yathripatamaham Vande Shri Guru Dinatarinam Mancha Kalpatarubhyascha Kripasindubhya Evacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhara Shri Vasadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna um, So we are continuing the discussion about the characteristics of King Puranjana and this uh, particular section started a few chapters ago. So we know that Prachetas, who were the sons of King Prachina Bahishad, they were instructed by their father. So King Prachina Bahishad was one of the Praj- uh, Prajapatis. He was instructed to populate the universe. And he tells his sons also to help him in populating the universe and become Prajapatis. Because this is the time when still the formation of the universe was going on. So, but he tells them, which is a very good instruction he gives his sons, that before you become Prajapatis, you all you should do austerities, like do tapasya to purify yourself, and then you should uh, enter the Grahastashram. So, following the instructions of their father, the Prachetas go to do austerities, and there was a nice chapter which described how they went underwater and they did austerities, and when they emerged, they had darshan of none other than Lord Shiva himself. And then we see how Lord Shiva gives them some instructions. And those instructions are described as Rudra Gita. So there are lots of Gitas in the Bhagavatam like Rudra Gita, Gopi Gita, Venu Gita, Yugala Gita, Uddhava Gita which come later on. So Rudra Gita is also one of the Gitas. And Rudra Gita is nothing but instructions of Lord Shiva. It's actually the science of self-realization leading to the path of Bhakti. So these are the instructions which Lord Shiva gives to the Prachetas. And they actually follow the instructions of, of Lord Shiva. They implement those instructions in their life, lives and only after that they actually take up the Grihastashram. So while the Prachetas had been taken care of by a pure Vaishnava who was, you know, whose Vaishnavanam Yathashambhu, none other than Lord Shiva, King Prachinabhari, even though he gave these instructions to his son, he himself was very much engaged in Karma Kanda or fruitive activities. And he used to do lots of sacrifices and in those sacrifices, he used to actually give bali, like, you know, give us offering of animals. And Narad Muni, who we know enters Bhagavatam time and again to save these conditioned souls, felt compassion for King Prakashinabhari. 
So he on this end, that end it was Lord Shiva who helped the Prachetas and at this end it is Narad Muni who comes to actually intervene in the life of King Prachina Bharhi. So he gives lots of instructions to King Prachina Bharhi, actually shows him that all these animals that you are killing are actually in the sky and they are going to curse you and they are waiting for you to actually attain the that their particular destination so they can sort of take a revenge. So he wants to open King Prachina Bharhi's eyes. And sometimes when we see these great devotees or acharyas, they try to circumvent the false ego because when someone is steeped into karmakanda or material activities or fruitive activities, the false ego is very high because you get lots of blessings or material benedictions from so-called fruitive activities. And then direct instructions might sometimes not work. So Narad Muni, the intelligent and you know uh, empowered creature that he is, he decides that to get through this message through to King Prachina Bhari, it is better to use an allegory. Like I remember when Urmila Mataji was visiting Melbourne some years ago, she was telling that why stories are so important for children. Like, you know, give, because when you give direct instructions to children, they might not pick it up or even to elders. The false ego comes in between to accept the message. But when the same message is given through a story, then the story does the talking and it circumvents the false ego and the same message touches the heart much better. So we see Narad Muni is doing that over here. He is giving a whole allegory to King Prachina Bhati. And that allegory started in this chapter where he is describing about a king called Puranjana. So this is nothing but King Prachina Bhati's own life that Narad Muni is describing over here. So he tells him that how there was a king who was actually looking up, you know, walking along and then he sees a beautiful palace which is decorated so beautifully. There are so many lakes, ponds, all, you know, that whole description is given, given over there. So the, in the allegory, everything is representing something in this world. And we know that King Puranjana actually represents the soul. And the palace that he sees is representing the body. And it is the soul's endeavor to make all arrangements so that the body can enjoy. And they decorate the body the whole life. If we look around us, even in office or, you know, if we go in the city and all that, we see that most of the time people are spending decorating their body. Like you get in the tram, women are very busy putting makeup on themselves. So, so much time goes and a big industry exists around this, decorating the body. Cosmetics, hair, all that. There's a big industry around this whole thing. So that is what we see Narad Muni explaining over here, that King Puranjana is actually the soul and those palaces and all that are representing the body. So he goes on, there are lots of allegories which come and in this verse, he is talking about a woman which King Puranjana sees and that woman becomes his wife. So it actually represents his wife and children and we see that he is describing how the woman was very beautiful and King Puranjana and the Kama Rupini, so that means she was looking after like you know she can satisfy the lusty desires of someone that is how they describe the woman and you know again bringing this back to the material world that is what we see like at least in India or you know some in devotees we see there is an ashram called Grihastha Ashram but if we see in this world especially in the western countries we don't even see the existence of a Grihastha Ashram people are living as partners they have children sometimes after children they decide to get married so it's all topsy-turvy in the material world the whole basis of two people coming together, a girl or a boy coming together is enjoyment, sense enjoyment. And that is what we are seeing over here. That the woman was a very beautiful woman who could satisfy the lusty desires of someone. And King Puranjana was seeking such a woman and the woman was also seeking, looking out for a suitable husband who could help her in the pursuit of sense enjoyment. 
and this woman prabhupad says is represented like the allegory states that the woman is actually none other than our intelligence but intelligence in the polluted state so even in the bhagavad gita krishna explains to arjuna about this intelligence and prabhupad explains in the purports that unless intelligence is purified by the study of shastras that intelligence will never follow the instructions of the soul and you know that whole description which lord krishna gives to arjuna about uh, the horse the chariot the five horses the chariot what do the reins represent and all that so in that particular description in the bhagavad gita also we see shrila prabhupad stating that stressing the importance of how it is so important for devotees practicing devotees of krishna consciousness to purify their intelligence otherwise the intelligence is just going to take oneself one away the soul away from its spiritual pursuit it will take out the soul to material sense enjoyment but and if if there is regular study of the the nivaran or the solution which prabhupad says is regular study of shastras so once intelligence gets sharpened by regular study of shastras by regular study and reading of bhagavad gita and shrimad bhagavatam and when the intelligence gets sharpened and purified then the intelligence can actually direct the soul to do to its material it can allow the soul then to go ahead with material to its spiritual uh, pursuits otherwise the intelligence is going to keep the soul engaged in just in, uh, enjoyment in this material world and that is what we are seeing over here we are seeing that prabhupad is also stressing in the purport that how it is important to protect this polluted intelligence from the onset of maya and that protection is krishna consciousness and study of the shastras and there are lots of path which prabhupad explains in the coming purports on how a conditioned soul can overcome this sense enjoyment tendency which is there in him through the past time through the allegory of king puranjana and one of the path is following in the footsteps of previous acharyas so today is actually a very auspicious day it's the appearance of radha kun and it is also called as bahulashtami so we'll spend the next few minutes speaking about this importance day in our um, in vaidhya vaishnava's lives prabhupad explains in the nectar of instruction where the importance of radha kund is given that it is mainly gaudiya vaishnavas who actually know the importance of radha kund if we see some other sampradayas like you know there are bona fide vaishnava sampradayas but in dia sampradayas there is not so much importance of stress given to radha kund as is given by gaudiya vaishnavas and specially we'll discuss a little bit about raghunath das das goswami who was one of the acharyas who helps in the um, construction and the present day radha kund that we see over here so that is one of the process prabhupada describes in the nectar of instruction in the purport that we follow in the footsteps of all these acharyas to get our intelligence purified and to actually you know increase our devotional service or our bhakti so speaking of radha kund today is the appearance day and it's also called as bahulashtami so radha kund obviously does not belong to this material world It, it it is originally there in the spiritual world in golok vrindavan but scriptures mention that radha kund came down to the material world to assist lord krishna and radharani in their pastimes in this material world otherwise in golok vrindavan radha kund and shyama kund are existing eternally so they come down to facilitate the divine pastimes of radha and krishna and mainly to increase the bliss and nectar of these pastimes which the vrajavasis enjoy with radha and krishna So Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur explains that Radha Kund is actually called as Prema Swarupa of Shrimati Radha Rani. So which which means that it is the form of ecstatic devotion which Radha Rani has for Lord Krishna. It's the Prema Swarupa that is that is the exalted position of Radha Kund. 
Acharyas also explained that Radha Kund is the liquid form of Radha Rani, which shows us how sacred Radha Kund really is. And Rupa Goswami has so profusely glorified Radha Kund in verses 9, 10 and 11 of Nectar of Instruction. So, and Srila Prabhupada also, in the purports, he says that for Gaudiya Vaishnavas, it is so important to worship Radha Kund, especially in the month of Kartik. And Radha Kund also appeared in the month of Kartik. So, it's very uh, purifying for all of us to hear about Radha Kund in this holy month. So, Rupa Goswami compares, in, the, in verse 9 of Nectar of Instruction, Rupa Goswami compares Vaikuntha with this material world. And he says that superior to this material world is Vaikuntha or the spiritual world, the place which is free from miseries. So material world is Kuntha, means a place which is full of miseries. And Vaikuntha is the spiritual world, which is free from miseries. So he says that superior to the material world is Vaikuntha. And he is then giving us gradations of which is the holier place, uh, holy place, uh, holiest of all places amongst all these holy places. So he says that Vaikuntha is superior to the material world and superior to Vaikuntha is Mathura. So even though Vaikuntha is in the spiritual world, Bhaumi Mathura is much more superior to the spiritual world Vaikuntha. And that is because Lord Krishna appeared in Mathura. He chose Mathura as the place for his appearance. And therefore it is more important than Vaikuntha. And then he further goes on to say, that superior to Mathura is the forests of Vrindavan, especially the 12 forests which are there in Vrindavan. And why they are superior to Mathura is because Lord Krishna performed so many of his pastimes in these 12 forests of Vrindavan. And especially it's superior because he performs his Ras Leela in Vrindavan, in the 12 forests of Vrindavan. So by material world, then Vaikuntha, then Mathura and then Vrindavan. That is the gradation he is giving. He then goes on to say that superior to Vrindavan is Govardhan. So he says that it is superior to Vrindavan because Govardhan is Haridasavarya. It is the best servant of Lord Krishna. It is the pastime site of Lord Krishna along with his cowherd boys and also with the gopis or with many Vrajvasis. So that is why it's superior and also it is superior because it was lifted personally by Lord Krishna with his lotus hand to protect all the Vrajvasis from Indra's anger, from his onslaught of rain. So therefore, Govardhan is considered much superior to Vrindavan. And then, Rupa Goswami concludes, he says that even, even superior to Govardhan is that part of Govardhan which is called as Radha Kund. And he explains the reason by Rupa Goswami. He says that this place is overflooded by the love of Krishna that Radharani has in her heart for Lord Krishna. And that is why Radha Kund is so superior to Vrindavan. He says that, and then he goes on to say in the Nectar of Instruction translation for verse 9, he says that who is that intelligent person after understanding that Radha Kund is the holiest of all holy places in the material and the spiritual worlds would not go and worship uh, Radha Kund. Who is that intelligent person who would miss doing that, which is at the base of Govardhan Hill. So Radha Kund is at the very pinnacle. It is the holiest of all holy places. And in our conditioned state, it is actually quite hard for us to understand the exalted position of Radha Kund. Obviously, it's a topic beyond my realization especially, but you know, reading the purports and um, the teachings which our Acharyas are given, we will try to dwell on the pastimes of Radha Kund. But it is considered the holiest of all, all holy places, which is very difficult for us to fathom. So Rupa Goswami and Srila Prabhupada therefore repeatedly explain the importance that how Gaudiya Vaishnavas 
should at least you know go to Radha Kund in Karthik month and maybe you know sprinkle some drops of water or take a bath in Radha Kund during this month. So there are several pastimes and Puranas about the appearance of Radha Kund. So before we discuss the appearance of Radha Kund in the material world, we'll see how it appeared in the spiritual world. So once Lord Krishna and Radha Rani were sitting on a throne in Vrindavan, like a throne which was made by their Sakhis and the Gopas, and they were both enjoying conjugal pastimes. And they were so absorbed in each other and in love for each other that suddenly Lord Krishna and Radha Rani, even though together, started feeling intense separation from each other. And Lord Krishna in that intense separation, in that mood of absorption in, Radha, in Srimati Radharani, actually starts running helter-skelter in the forests of Vrindavan. And his absorption is so high that he takes on the, his, externally he takes on the form of Srimati Radharani. And he is chanting his own name because he has taken the mood and form of Radharani. He is saying Krishna, Krishna and he is roaming around in the forests of Vrindavan. And at this end, Radharani also, because of her intense absorption, starts searching for Krishna, even though Krishna was right beside her. And she also runs helter-skelter, searching for Krishna. And she also takes the mood and the appearance of Lord Krishna. And she is chanting Radha Radha. And both of them are profusely crying in separation from each other, in this intense absorption. And the gopis are very baffled because they want to like calm them down and you know make them a bit peaceful because they know that both of them are just together. So gopis could see that but Radharani and Krishna could not see that in their absorption. So the gopis try to calm Radharani, it doesn't work. So then they run to Krishna and they tell Krishna that look Radharani is just here. If you chant this mantra, she will appear before you. So they make Krishna chant Radharani's mantra and as soon as Krishna chants that mantra, Radharani appears over there. And then Krishna is very happy because they have been united again in the same way Radharani is also very happy. And he actually apologizes to um, Radharani saying that I caused you all this distress because of which you also went into separation and you were also crying. But because of your tears, what had happened was there were two kundas that had formed. And Krishna says that these, 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 these little pawns or kunds that have formed are actually nothing but the liquid prema like I described, uh, we described earlier. Or it is, the inter it is symbolic of the intense separation and love that we were feeling for each other. So these two kundas will be celebrated all over the world as Radha Kund and Shyama Kund. And whoever worships, especially he glorifies Radha Kund. He says that whoever worships Radha Kund and absorbs and meditates on Radha Kund, that person will become very dear to me. Because Radha Kund is none other than liquid prema of Srimati Radharani. So in this way, the Radha Kund and Shyama Kund actually appear in the spiritual world. Now, in material world, when Radha Kund and Shyama, when Krishna and Radharani were coming down, Radha Kund and Shyama Kund also wanted to come and facilitate the pastimes, the divine pastimes of Srimati Radharani. So they wanted to accompany them to facilitate their pastimes. So the appearance of Radha Kund in the material world happens on the day of Bahulashtami. So Bahulashtami is today, the, it's the eighth day of the waning, waning fortnight of Kartik, of Kartik month and that is when the appearance of Radha Kund happens. So why is it called Bahulashtami? So there is a folklore or a folk tale which is you know mentioned about this particular pastime. So there is first of all there is a gopi called Bahula who was very dear to Krishna and Radharani but there was also a cow called Bahula and you know in the little Krishna series which had come I'm sure everyone must have watched that that particular pastime was depicted. So there was a cow called Bahula and she was peacefully grazing in the forests of Vrindavan. 
and a tiger comes to attack that cow and the cow had just given birth to a calf so the cow actually pleads with the tiger she says that is it okay if i just feed my calf and come because i've given birth to a calf he is waiting it was a bull calf he is waiting to drink my milk but i promise you that i will come back and then you can eat me so uh, the tiger you know vrindavan tiger he was also very satvik looks like so he actually honored the word of the cow and he said okay you go and feed your calf and come and i'll wait over here but remember to honor your promise so when the cow goes back she feeds her calf to his fullest satisfaction and then she starts bidding farewell to his uh, to her calf and she says that i have to go like this because i have promised this tiger that i will come back and he can eat me and the calf obviously you know he's he's feeling he will he starts feeling separation from his mother so he says that no instead of you i will go mother let me sacrifice my life and you stay over here let the tiger eat me i will become the tiger's meal today so obviously the calf is saying no i'm your mother i won't allow that to happen you're quite young you still have a life in front of you so they both are arguing back back and forth and the brahmana who owned this calf and the calf he happens to come there and he overhears this conversation and the brahmana says that no both of you are not going because the brahmana was obviously he wanted to protect the cows so he said that i will go instead to the tiger and i will request the tiger to make me his meal so both of you stay here but i will go so like this again there was you know back and forth between all of them and then they decided let's all three go together and let the tiger choose whomever he wants to eat so all three of them come to the tiger and they they tell the tiger and the tiger is so pleased he thinks that he has all three things of three people available for a meal so the kai tiger is actually contemplating whom to eat first out of all the three so um while he is contemplating like that krishna whose land is vrindavan and who's the protector who's who's gopala he appears over there and he actually requests the tiger he says that can you see how honest and so much integrity uh, bahula had she kept up her promise she could have actually not even returned to you to become your meal but she honored her promise and that is you know appreciate that about her and look at her calf and this brahmin how selfless they are they are they are ready to sacrifice their own lives to save bahula so these all these three personalities have either displayed or exhibited such exalted qualities so my request to you is please pardon all of them and your fame will be spread all over the world if you pardon all of them and i will definitely i assure you that you will get some other meal so you leave this forest and you'll find another meal somewhere else so lord krishna blesses the tiger he puts his hand on the tiger and if someone is touched by lord krishna's hand obviously their heart will change so the tiger's heart gets transformed and he actually agrees to lord krishna's proposal and he leaves that place so in bahulavan there is a one called bahulavan in vrindavan where we we can see these deities there is the deity of the cow tiger the brahmin and the calf so when we go in vrindavan parikrama we can take darshan so honoring lord krishna wanted to honor this cow for her selfless service and her honesty and integrity and therefore he named that whole forest after uh, after this cow therefore it's called as bahulash bahulavan or bahulashtami so that pastime also happened today and then on the same day the 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 other pastime which happened was the appearance of radhakun so krishna had killed already several demons and he was almost about to wind up his vrindavan pastimes and he was about to go to mathura and during that time there was a, a demon which kamsa sends once again to kill krishna and that demon takes the form of a huge bull so that demon's name was arishtasura 
So he takes the form of a huge bull and he actually comes to Vrindavan. And it is described that this bull was so tall and so big that his hoof was all, almost in the clouds and there were birds flying around the hoof. It was such a huge bull. His nostrils were such big and they flared. And the way he was billowing and you know stomping his hooves around in Vrindavan, everyone was so scared that some of the women, pregnant women and cows, they actually had miscarriages. It was, you know, it was such a uh, scary thing that he was doing with his hooves and billowing loudly. They, they all get terrified. The Vrajwasis got terrified seeing this huge bull that had come. And usually the Vrajwasis, what do they do when they are in, in, uh, in trouble or when they are in danger? They always run to Krishna for protection. They seek their shelter in Krishna, even though he was such a young child. But they knew Krishna will protect them. So they run to Krishna and they tell him that this particular demon has come Krishna. Please help us. Please save us. So Krishna runs along with Balaram and all the cowherd boys and he sees this demon. So first he chastises the demon that how dare you come in my land of Vrindavan and you terrify all these Rajwasis and you, you know all some of the pregnant Matajis and the cows had miscarriages because of you. So Krishna is extremely angry with the bull. So the bull comes charging towards Krishna with his horns pointed outwards and huge horns he had because of his size. And as soon as he comes close to Krishna, Krishna just holds his uh, horns and he pushes, flings him behind. Almost, you know, 11 or 12 steps he pushes him behind. So again the bull comes, obviously, charging at him. <clears throat> so two, three times Krishna does this, holds the bull by his horns and pushes him behind or flings him away. And the last time when the bull comes charging at Krishna, Krishna catches hold of his horn and also his tail and he whirls it around several times. Such a huge bull, Krishna is such a small child and he whirls the bull around and it is described by the Acharyas that then he thrashes the bull and it is compared to a dhobi. In India we see there are some dhobis or washermen. You know when they wash clothes on the banks of rivers. Nowadays we have washing machines and all that so we don't see so much of this scene. But in the earlier days the washermen used to wash clothes on river banks and they used to thrash clothes to remove dirt from them and to remove the soap and water. So in this way, it is compared, that is the way Krishna was thrashing Arista Shura around. Like a dhobi would thrash clothes around. And ultimately by so much thrashing, he actually, uh, his life has left Arista Shura's body and he fell down dead. And as soon as he fell down dead, all the cowherd boys and the Vrajvasis erupted in joy and they started chanting Krishna's glories. And even the demigods from the heavenly planets, they showered flowers on Lord Krishna, glorifying Lord Krishna's um, outstanding feet. So after, after he kills um, this Arishta Shura, Lord Krishna approaches Radharani again and the gopis for conjugal pastimes to have some pastimes with them. And Radharani and the gopis, they, they were acting very haughty. So they tell Krishna that don't even come near us and touch us. And Krishna says, why? What did I do? And they say that you, you have killed a demon, sorry, you have killed a bull and you call yourself Gopala and you call yourself that you are the protector of the cows and the bulls and how did you kill this bull? Don't you understand that it's a big sin? The bull represents dharma and you kill this bull so it, it, it's a big sin. So Krishna also takes a very humble position. He says that yeah okay I have committed this sin but what is the solution now? How can I repent for committing this sin? So he is asking the gopis and Radharani only. So um, then, you know, Radharani tells uh, Krishna that because you committed this sin, what you need to do is you need to go to all the holy rivers in the universe 
and you need to take bath in all the holy rivers to purify yourself of all these sins. So Krishna is wondering because he did not want to get separated from Radharani. If he goes to all the holy places and every river he goes and takes bath, it's going to take time, which Krishna did not want to do. So he says that instead of going to all the holy rivers, what I'm going to do is I'm going to call all the holy rivers over here, and then I will take bath in in them. So he strikes his uh, he struck his heel into the his foot into the ground, and this is all happening at the base of Govardhan. This whole pastime. So he struck his heel into the ground and it formed like a huge crater when he strikes his heel. And then from that appears what is known as the Bhogavati river. So Ganga river when it goes into Patala Loka, it's called as Bhogavati. So first Bhogavati river appears from there and then she fills the kund. And then Krishna calls all the other holy rivers from all, all over the universe to fill his kund. So Narmada comes, uh, Saraswati comes, even the causal ocean, the milk ocean and the uh, Viraja river, all of them come to fill the river, uh, to fill his pond. And he tells all the gopis and Radharani that see all the holy rivers have filled my pond. And they don't, they refuse to believe him. They say that how do we know that these are holy rivers that have filled your pond. It could be water from anywhere or it could be just underground water that has filled. So then Krishna requests all the holy rivers to come in their personified forms to give darshan to the gopis and to prove like all the time Krishna had to prove himself to the gopis that no I am not lying so he actually calls all the holy rivers personified holy rivers and they all appear over there with folded palms and they introduce themselves that I am the river Bhogavati I am the river Narmada, I am the river Saraswati I am the milk ocean, I am the causal ocean they all have come from all over the world so once they are introduced and they say that yes we have filled this pond then Lord Krishna actually takes a dip he takes a bath in his pond and he comes out and he tells the gopis that see now I have washed away all my sins. I have taken bath in all the Hori rivers like y'all instructed me to. But he said that now y'all don't associate with me because y'all have become sinful. And Radharani and the gopis say why have we become sinful? We didn't kill any bull. So Krishna says that that bull was none other than a demon. And y'all have sided with a demon instead of siding with someone who is protecting the devotees and who is establishing dharma. So because you all have sided with a demon, now you all have become uh, contaminated. How are you all going to purify yourself? So the gopis and Radharani also make a plan. They say that, okay, we are also going to dig our own pond. And Arishta Shura's hoof print had left actually a small crater. So what they do is they start taking, every gopi takes out their bangles and they start digging further into that hoof print which Arishta Shura's uh, hoof print, the small uh, crater which Arishta Shura's hoof print had created. And Krishna was marveled at seeing that very soon a huge crater was created by all the gopis just digging with their bangles. And then Krishna says, okay, you all have created this crater. So allow the water from my pond to fill your kund. Because they are all, you know that they are all the holy rivers together in my kund. And the gopis and Radharani, you know, she is a left wing gopi. She is not a very compliant gopi. So she tells Krishna, she says that no, we are not going to accept water from your kund. Because you have taken bath in that and you have washed all your sins in that, your kund is contaminated. We will arrange our own water. So the gopis actually form a, and they say that we will get water from Manasi Ganga. So, you know, many of us must have done Parikrama. Manasi Ganga is quite a fair bit distance away from Radha Kund and Shyama Kund. So the gopis all form a big line, like a chain they form. And they start, you know, passing water. They fill water from Manasi Ganga and they are passing water from Manasi Ganga in pots to each other in that chain and that is how they start filling the pond. But Krishna could see that it's going to take a long time, it's a very cumbersome process filling this whole kund with 
water from Mansi Ganga like this, bringing it in pots. So Krishna feels very compassionate. He did not want Radharani and the gopis to work so hard. So he then just requests all the holy rivers once again, like he does Ishara with his eyes. And he requests all the holy rivers, can you request Radharani that you all will fill her pond? So all the holy rivers appear again in front of Radharani. And they request and they beg and they plead for Radharani's mercy. And they tell her that, oh Radharani, can we please allow us the service to fill your kunda as well? That will be our sublime, that will be like the best thing we would have done in our lives if we are able to fill your kunda. So Radharani sees the sincerity with which all the personified rivers are praying and she agrees, being very kind and merciful that she is. So at that time the, the banks of Shyamakun broke open and all the water then came into Radhakun. And Krishna and all the gopis happily take a bath in Radhakun. And Krishna declares, he says that they both vow that our kundas will have everlasting fame and they will give everlasting bhakti to whoever takes bath in these kunds. So on this particular day, devotees, if we see in Vrindavan, there will be thousands and thousands of devotees who go to Radhakun. This, this whole pastime ha- happened at midnight. So at midnight, devotees go over there in Radhakun to take a bath because they, they know that the importance of taking bath on this particular day in the month of Kartik can bestow bhakti to Radharani and Krishna. And that, that is how Radhakund appeared, Radhakund and Shyamakund appeared in this uh, material world. But what happened was after they appeared, uh, Vajrana, who is the great grandson of Krishna and who had actually taken upon himself the um, whole task of establishing Lord Krishna's temples and deities all over Vrindavan. So he actually excavates the ponds and builds walls around the kundas and he makes the walls broad enough so people can even walk on them. So that was Vajrana. But again, and again that was around 5000 years ago. But over the years, once again, the kundas get lost. They, they become unmanifest to the eyes of mankind in this world. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, when he was visiting Vrindavan, he had obviously heard and he knew the glories of Radhakund and Shyamakund. So he was traversing all over the 12 forests of Vrindavan and he was looking for these two. And none of the Vrajvasis could also help. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was asking all the Vrajvasis that these two kunds are there. Have you seen any such kunds anywhere? But none of them could help. And then the Acharyas explained that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu sat, sat under the Tamal tree um, at, the, at the edge of like some paddy fields. And under the Tamal tree, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was meditating, <coughs> trying with his divine vision and with his divine intervention to see where these kunds could be. And with his divine vision, he realized that the paddy field had two little ponds, like puddles of water. And he realized that these are actually Radhakund and Shyamakund. So with great happiness, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu goes into those paddy fields and he takes bath, he puts water on himself and he applies tilak with the mud of that uh, Radhakund. And the Vrajvasis, it's very uh, coincident that the Vrajvasis used to call these paddy fields as Kali Khet and Gori Khet. So Kali Khet means black pond or black um, paddy field and Gori Khet means white paddy field. So you know that also confirmed that these were actually none other than Shyamakund and Radhakund. So then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he had given his instructions or the task to all the Goswamis to excavate and rediscover all the holy places in Vrindavan because most of the holy places in Vrindavan had got lost and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wanted to establish the pastime places of Krishna so that devotees could go on Parikrama, take darshan and absorb themselves in these pastime places of Krishna. So he had given this um, instruction to all the Goswamis to um, re-establish the pastime places and Raghunath Das Goswami, 
who was at that time in Vrindavan. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu leaves and Raghunath Das Goswami was feeling intense separation from uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So he was actually contemplating suicide. He was thinking maybe I should climb Govardhan Hill and I should end my life, jump from there and end my life. That was the state of Raghunath Das Goswami's mind. So while he was contemplating suicide like this, Rupa Goswami and Sanatan Goswami, they pacify him. And they tell him that why don't you sit, you know, stay on the banks of Radhakun? And they had already ex- uh, discovered the Radhakun and Shyamakun. And he tells them that they tell him that why don't you stay on the banks of Radhakun and meditate on the pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Krishna and Radharani? That will give you, that will pacify your mind. You won't feel so much intense separation. So Raghunath Das Goswami complies and he makes his bhajan kutir over there. And one day when he was sitting over there, he starts contemplating. He says that hundreds and thousands of pilgrims will come in the future to take darshan and take bath in these holy kunds. But right now there is no proper facility for devotees to take bath. So maybe it will be better if there are some steps leading down to the kund and the kunds have proper walls and they are contained within those walls so that it's easier for devotees to take bath. So he's, you know, he, has, he contemplates and he starts making plans in his mind of where the steps should be, how the walls should be around the kunds and all. But then he checks himself and he actually condemns his mind and he says that while being absorbed in Radha and Krishna Leela, you are contemplating all this management things, organization, management and all that. So he checks his mind and he stops that thought flow which had started in his mind. In the meantime, there was a very wealthy merchant whose name was Samarpan and that wealthy merchant was making plans to visit Badri Prashram with lots of wealth with him to donate all the wealth to Badrina. So on his travel, he had already started his journey. During his travels, one of the nights, Badrinath comes in the dream of this wealthy merchant called Samarpan. And he tells Samarpan that instead of coming all the way to Badri Krashram to donate all this wealth to me, can you please go and find this Raghunath Das Goswami who is in Vrindavan and donate all the wealth to him. And that will equally satisfy me. It will be as good as you donating all the wealth to me. So obviously if the Lord of his, uh, you know, his worshipable deity has come and given him this instruction, he follows those instructions and he actually goes in search of Raghunath Das Goswami. And he finds him sitting at the bank of uh, Radha Kund at the base of Govardhan. So he donates all the wealth to him and he says that Lord Badrinath has himself instructed me to give you all this wealth. So Raghunath Das Goswami then realizes that it's the Lord who is trying to give him an indication that use this wealth in the, you know, plan that you are making in your mind. But Raghunath Das Goswami is actually in one of, you know, he is the most renowned Acharya. And that is, you know, Prabhupada says we follow in his footsteps to learn renunciation from Raghunath Das Goswami. His renunciation was so high that throughout the day he would just survive on a little buttermilk which was made out of cow's milk. And he would pay every day 2000 obeisances to Vaishnava, 1000 obeisances to Govardhan, do Parikrama of Govardhan. Like he had taken so many um, uh, pranas or vows he had taken. So he is considered as the emblem of detachment. So he was not very savvy with you know how to utilize the wealth and engage people, what to do now to do all this construction. So he gives all that wealth to Jiva Goswami. And Jiva Goswami, we know he is considered as the Shastrik Acharya. He was so learned and uh, uh, such a proficient scholar. But he was also very proficient and very uh, expert in even material dealings. So he gives all the wealth to Jiva Goswami and he says that you now help with this construction of this home, both these kundas. So Jiva Goswami immediately purchases some land around both the kunds and he purchases that land in the name of Raghunath Das Goswami. 
and then he engages people and at that time during the construction so they do make radhakund nicely like a uh, square like a rectangle and they make all the steps from different different places to approach radhakund and so that people can take bath and after that when they start doing the same thing for shyamakund yudhishthir maharaj comes in the dream of jiva goswami and even raghunath das goswami and yudhishthir maharaj tells him that please when you are constructing shyamakund don't cut down these five trees which are standing on the banks because these five trees are us five pandavas who are standing over here doing tapasya and we want to witness the pastimes of radha and krishna happening which are happening eternally at the uh, radha kund and shyamakund so we are begging you don't cut down these trees so even today we if we go on parikrama we can see these trees are there and obviously the goswami is comply and that is why we see when they do the construction of shyamakund shyamakund is not exactly a rectangle or a square it has an odd shape like sort of a triangle sort of a shape because they wanted to keep these five trees intact and build the walls around the kund um, in that way so this is how and then there were many further kings also who came who added some steps to radhakund and shyamakund so as devotees you know it it so that it's easy for us devotees to then go down the steps and take bath so shrila prabhupad cautioned us that you know it's purifying to take bath in radhakund but we he also cautions us that we should not do any frivolity we should not do any frivolous bathing like sometimes you know sporting in the water throwing water on each other we should never do these frivolous activities when we are taking a bath in radhakund and i know when we go on yatras with our guru maharaj or other um uh, prabhupad's disciples they actually sometimes tell devotees not to take a bath at all just dip your beads beads inside the water and sprinkle some water on your forehead that is what you know i have observed during some yatra some guru maharaj give this instruction but prabhupad says that even if you take bath then you have to just take bath in a very sacred way dip yourself and come out quickly no frivolous sporting and all that like swimming and all those things should happen in radhakund he also says that don't associate prabhupad warns us that don't associate with the baba ji's who are there mm-hmm. living on the banks of radhakund because he says that their mood is very different to what our acharya's mood is and if we also stay there for long enough and if we associate with them then we can actually stray away from the path spiritual path which shila prabhupad has set for us following in the footsteps of rupa goswami and other goswamis in chaitanya mahaprabhu so prabhupad warns us not to stay for too long in radhakund and associate with these baba ji's because then we can get influence and we can get swayed away because we are not so in our condition state we are not so pakka that we can actually discriminate between what is right and wrong and stay firm on the path which prabhupad has shown us so he says that just go for some time take a bath sit meditate do your chanting and then leave radhakund immediately so that you don't get influenced and caught up by these babajis and in glorification of radhakund raghunath das goswami has actually written a beautiful prayer it's called as the radhakund ashtakam it's a beautiful prayer like i was hearing bhakti rasamrit maharaj had chanted these prayers in vrindavan so this these are some of the glories of radhakund and shyamakund and today it's the most auspicious day during kartik month to dwell on the glories and the pastimes of radhakund and if we get opportunity to visit radhakund on this particular day and you know take a dip or take full sprinkle some water on this day when it appear on our heads so then the class here it's getting time grantraj shrimad bhagavatam ki shila prabhupad ki thank you uh what happened to that line who saw krishna in the line shape three animals the cow the brahman and the 
The tiger? Uh, no, it hasn't been described, but I'm sure it, he must have received a human body or maybe even moksha because Lord Krishna touched the tiger. beautiful caves where Krishna and the cowherd boys used to take rest after they played, you know, these beautiful rivers for the Vratvas, he used to drink water. So that is how he's always serving Krishna. Plus we know how he served Krishna during the whole Indra pastime. Like Lord Krishna, he became the umbrella. And he was so, it's described, he was so ecstatic just by the touch that he was almost floating in ecstasy. Like Lord Krishna did not even have to lift him. He was not putting any pressure on Lord Krishna's finger. So that also, you know, glorified his position as being the best servant of Krishna. But when we know that where Lord Krishna stopped Indra Puja and he directs all the bhoga that was made for Indra Puja to Govardhan. So that time we know how Govardhan eats everything and it is described at that time that Krishna himself takes the form of Govardhan. And it is Lord Krishna who was eating all the offerings which the Brajwasis bring to him. So he eats everything and he keeps saying Anayor, Anayor, give me more. So that was Lord Krishna who had manifested in the form of Govardhan. And therefore both are true. He is himself Govardhan as well, but he is also the best servant of Krishna. This Radha Krishna meditating and running around hither and hither looking for each other. But they were actually sitting, so both didn't see them running around, correct? No, they actually start running around. Even though they were next to each other, they start running around thinking, I'm not with Radharani or I'm not with Krishna. So that running around was physical, physical. meditation? Physical. It was physical. They actually go and run around in the forests of Vrindavan. That's what I read and I heard from one of the... Because you also said that both saw them both sitting next to each other. Initially they saw them sitting next to each other, but then they started running around. So. They were wondering that when they were sitting next to each other, how did they start feeling separation and ran away? That's what they were wondering. And then Gopis told Radha Krishna about the mantra just to chant. Is that mantra mentioned? Maybe it's mentioned, but I'm not aware. Really. <laughs> <laughs> we'll end the class here. Granthraj Srimad Bhagavatam. Yeah.